already. How am I going to start this podcast? You usually go, we're live. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. We're live. It's me, Kristen, your host, and Maggie, your co-host. Hello. Hello, and we are first with the mostest. Co-hostess with the mostest. And we are your first impressions podcasters. We're here to give a big middle finger to all the haters and talk about our love of Jane Austen, our extreme excitement at being so close to going to JASNAT, the Jane Austen Society of North America meeting in early October. And to dovetail with that, we are going to talk about the third portion of Among the Janeites, the book that we reviewed in our last episode. We didn't quite get to the third portion, so we'll do a little bit of the talking about the basics and the history of Jasna for those of you who've never heard of it or are not familiar with it. And then we're going to segue into talking about why we're so excited to be going. So excited. We're only four <laughs> weeks away. So I was actually extremely moved by the story of Jasna as set out um, in Among the Janeites. She does a brief introduction to the three founders. One of them was actually related to Jane Austen. Her name was Joan Austen Lee. And she actually was a playwright and a novelist in her own right. That is very connected to her Jane Austen heritage. And she met, I think, at a, I think at a, at a ball, like at a Regency ball, Jack Gray, who was, Joan Austen Lee was Canadian, and Jack, she met Jack Gray, who is an American, uh, who is a school teacher in Harlem, and I think his story is so fascinating in that he was really passionate about education in Harlem, and it's not something you necessarily connect to Jane Austen, but he just had a lot of outside passions as well, and he had amassed a huge collection of Austen paraphernalia and was just a, a really big connector and a really big, um, Amateur scholar, he was actually asked to like edit some collections of essays and stuff. That's how well he was regarded. And then the third person's name was Henry Burke. And he was a husband of Alberta Burke, who was another Jane Austen obsessive. And uh, she had passed before Jasna was formed. But she had a massive collection as well, including she was the person who bought Jane Austen's hair and then gave it to um, Chawton, Chawton Cottage. It to great celebration and happiness of the British section of the Jane Austen Society. Did she but have anyway. a writing desk or was that? Uh... Yeah, she did. Um, no, you're right. Jo- Joan Austen Lee gave the writing desk uh, right. like when she passed to the British. Yeah, so these folks just. Which I've were... seen. I've seen it in the British oh, Library. Yeah. It, it's so moving to see it. We saw it in the, in the British Museum at different times, though. Well, it's in the British Library, yes. not the British Museum. British Library, yes. I actually have a really embarrassing story about that because I was in the oh, British Library. please share. <laughs> I was in the British Library. I'd seen the writing desk, and I was so overwhelmed. And I remembered I had a colleague, not a colleague, but um, I was I was in a, the corporate library world at the time, and I had worked a lot with this guy who was at the British Library. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I bet I could just, like, call him, and, like, we could chat for a few minutes, and I'm just randomly here, but it might be cool. So I found the directory and I gave him a call and he didn't pick up the phone. And I, instead of just hanging up like a normal person, I let it go to voicemail and I started explaining. I'm like, Hey, I'm here today. And I thought we could get together and you can call my cell. And then I realized he couldn't call my cell. I was an American. (laughs) I I hadn't activated it. So I just had to lamely end with like, Oh, I guess you can't call myself, but I'm here. 
and I was so embarrassed. And then later he wrote me an email. He's like, yeah, I got your message. I, I, there was nothing I could do. I could call you. And I'd write back and be like, I know, I should have thought that before I left the this story like took a couple turns I was not expecting. First, I thought the story was gonna be that you like broke down sobbing. Oh, no. in the then I thought it was gonna be that you tried to like whip out your phone and call this guy while you were in the special collections room. And then it just got it got weirder. So thank you for sharing that. Well, I want to call your attention back to the fact that I have this terrible social anxiety and would normally never have done such a thing. But I think seeing her writing desk gave me such a shot of adrenaline and Aww. like joy that I wanted to share it with just somebody. I mean, Kevin was there and I was sharing it with him, but I just wanted to share it with everybody. And so I was like, I should call this guy. No, <laughs> and then it was a really bad idea. Um, this is so, almost yeah. as good as the bathroom story that's in the book about how Jasna got started. Oh yeah. You tell the story. Uh, well, it was it, was it Joan Austin Lee's husband or so. was it Jack himself? No, I think it was Joan Austin Lee's husband. So who they was... were at Chotten House at the the British version, the Jane Austen Society and meeting that was there. And he needed to use the bathroom and they wouldn't let him use the bathroom in Chotten House. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. And so they're like, we'll make our own society. We need to make a society where everyone is welcome and anyone can use the bathroom. <laughs> Jasta was born. A classless society. Right. <laughs> and I love that they didn't mind that it spelled out J uh Jasna, J-A-S-N-A, because surely no one would refer to it as the Jasna. <laughs> of course no one would say that. Um so classless. Right, but this class uh classless and classless. <laughs> did you like that wordplay? Yes, I did. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, well you you're a very clever woman. Well, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. I don't know either. We're floundering. Okay, so getting back to the history. I so Joan, so but what also was funny is that the reason they hooked up with the third guy is because they're like, well, we need someone who knows how to do accounting. <laughs> <laughs> Since if we want to start our own society, we need someone who can do the bookkeeping. And he had a background in that, which and also I think it's great that it was two men. Mm-hmm. Of the three, two of them were men of the founders, which I thought was very cool. Yes. And I wanted to mention that Henry Burke, or Harry as he went by Harry, he and Alberta, the massive collector, I loved this detail. They had, I guess, family money. They He was a lawyer in Baltimore, but they had family money. And, and they lived in an apartment building. Well, they bought a second apartment just to house their books. These people have too much money. Baller. Which is like yeah. I buying my own personal library space in my building, baller move. It's basically a storage unit, right? But it's a whole apartment. <laughs> well, you don't know, like, like many nice leather-bound building. books and and rich mahogany and yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. We're in the Do you night. think they had a like their? I just picture that whole apartment looking like the old beginning of Masterpiece Theater when the camera would wind its way through this like old library with lots of wood paneling and objects from across the world and leather wingback chairs <laughs> like my dream library anyway so they decide so this was puzzling to me they decide to create the jane austen society of north america to distinguish it from british jane austen society and they ask the head of jazz i guess if they can have the membership role 
And he just said yes. And like, yeah. out. There was no like, don't poach our people. He's yeah. like, yeah, here you go. I handcuffed wrote it out before. longhand. He was like, I've never learned to type. He wrote it out longhand. And then he said, if you learn anybody's dead, let me know so I can take them off my rolls. I mean, yeah. that's how generous they were about the starting of Jasmine, which I think is really nice. I thought for sure that was going to be some like, no, we don't want <laughs> you to take our members and but like territorial was- posturing. In typical association fashion, there was drama, eventually bad drama, between the main office and the local regional groups, and way more than you would have expected. I mean, you would have expected the drama to be between the two countries, not like Mm -hmm. within, but I, I mean, I guess these personalities can get really big. There was one local faction who got so angry with the... Uh, national organization that they destroyed all their files and quit on <laughs> on mass. That is a that is a pretty that is a. <laughs> I don't know whether that like you were saying a baller move. I don't know if that's ball like a baller <laughs> move or like a dick move. Like I guess it depends on which side you're on. As someone who's worked with professional associations before, it just sounds like every other professional oh, association. Okay. So yeah. that's just like par for the course. <laughs> I have to, but I think so. I think the first time they got together, it if it was if I'm not mistaken, it was in New York or no, that was the third time. Maybe it was in Baltimore. Anyway, no, the second one was in Baltimore. But I loved this story because the second Jasna was hosted by Harry Burke in Baltimore, and it was on Mansfield Park. Right, and it was the one, and and it, of course Mansfield Park, so much controversy, right? And I love this story. It was one where some ap- academic was describing Mary Crawford as the wickedest woman in literature since Lady Macbeth. And a man in the back of the room stood up and shouted, I've been in love with Mary Crawford these 20 years. Kindly go on to your next topic. That's me. (laughs) She's awesome and I won't hear a word spoken against her. I said good day, sir. You know, that's the kind of man Mary Crawford wanted to marry, not some milquetoast Edmund who wouldn't fight for her. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I think that Mary Crawford is actually a character who's about 200 years before her time. Mm-hmm. Far more relatable to uh, the women of today. But I think I think it's actually pretty notable that even from the beginning, scholars were invited, fans were there, amateur amateur scholars, people who just had a general interest. That's what it was really founded for. It was founded for that from the beginning. And there, there was an interview in, in Among the Jainites with the second Jasna president who said, you know, we're not necessarily a country with a really strong intellectual tradition for lay people or respect for that. And when this society was formed, people who thought they had their own private love and their own private interest were able to come out of the woodwork and say, I finally can talk about this with other like-minded people. And it's... Aww. A huge relief, right? A feeling of relief. It'd that, be interesting to look at a list of where all the Jasna conferences have been each year. Yeah. Um, and like the one that Deborah Yaffe goes to is in Fort Worth, Texas. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, which is not what you might expect. Yep. Williamsburg, Virginia is where it is this year, which is sort of the perfect place because yeah. they have colonialism. Tell, tell everybody a little bit about Williamsburg for people who don't know. Oh, okay. Well, for people who don't know, uh, Williamsburg is a town in the Tidewater area of Virginia. It is right next door to Jamestown, which was the first permanent English settlement 
in the United States in the 1600s, and Williamsburg ended up becoming a very prosperous Virginia town in the colonial revolutionary era. It was the seat of the Virginia House of Burgesses. And for any of you who know your colonial history, you'll know that Virginia was the colony that proposed independence in the uh, Continental Congress in 1776. So it was the Virginia House of Burgesses that first voted for independence and sent sent their uh, delegate to the Continental Congress to propose it. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was a resident of the city because he, like Kristen and I, attended the College of William and Mary. What up? Which is the (laughs) second oldest university in the United States, founded in 1693 by Royal Charter. Uh, It has a lot of very famous alumni. And the town in the, the 1920s, They, by private organization, decided to make it a center of colonial history and did a huge refurbishment project of what's called the Colonial Williamsburg area. And they've rebuilt the Capitol building where the House of Burgesses, the Governor's Palace, where the Royal Governor of Virginia would have lived, a whole bunch of different taverns and the blacksmith and all those kind of buildings have been rebuilt in colonial fashion. You can go on tours, you wander through the whole area. They have reenactors who will talk to you about life in the times. They've been making a really good effort in the last, I'd say, 20 years to focus more on uh, slave life and the life of black Americans in the colonial times. And the whole thing is just kind of a big archaeological history project. But it's also a great place for families uh, to go take kids to learn about history. It's kind of a living history type of of town. So it seems like a really natural fit to me. If they haven't been there before, I can't believe it. Uh, Colonial Williamsburg is focused on the 1770s era, which is only 30, 40 years uh, before Austin. So it seems like a very natural fit with all the history, even though it's, you know, in America. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, you really can't so, get much closer. Yeah. No. And Kristen and I, we have to go when it's in Williamsburg because we we are William and Mary grads. We're alums. This I was there for seven years because <laughs> I also went to law school at William and Mary. So it's kind of a homecoming for us. Yeah, it was like the perfect confluence of of events and of circumstances and situations. So and it'll be my first Jasna. Which kind of, in a way, is surprising to me because I was so deeply into Austin for so long. But in a way, I know that in past years, my previous self would have been uncomfortable going by myself, which I would have mm-hmm. had to do. Well, it I would still would have been... gone with you, even before the podcast. You know, I'm always up for an adventure. <laughs> I'm going on an adventure! <laughs> <laughs> it never occurred to me, actually, to ask you, which is... Oh on me. I, I'm kind of surprised you haven't been before as well. But then when I thought about it, you know, we're not, when we were younger, we probably weren't in a position to take four days and go to some rando city in the middle of nowhere, like you said, by ourselves or dragging significant others. So this, I think like the timing of this has just worked out and the location and everything so perfectly because Williamsburg's only what, two and a half hours drive right from me and DC. So there you go. Right. It, there we go. It worked out. And another thing you had, I, just speaking of representation and something really cool about the founding of Jasna, I think it was founded, if I'm not mistaken, in like the mid 1970s. Oh, 1978 is when it was founded. And Jack Ray, as we said, was a founding member, but it mentions in here 
they were and there was such a close friendship between them all. Jack was gay, and his partner had actually died of AIDS. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I just think at that time it was probably so much harder to have that identity and be out to your friends, especially like your stuffy British friend who is related to Jane Austen and everybody knew his partner, whose name is slipping my, Oh, Marino Romero who died. That's a pretty awesome name. (laughs) Marino Romero. Yeah. Died in 1985 of AIDS. And Jack says, thanks to a few knowing and understanding friends, uh, my grief has been lessened. And he planted a tree in Marino's memory at Steventon, which is just really a moving story. And then Jack himself died many years later. And this anecdote in the uh, in the book got me both times, you know, as it should. It's, it was so moving. When he was dying of cancer um, a few days before he passed, Joan Austin Lee went to his bedside, Jack Gray's bedside, and just to be with him at the end. And it says, one last time he summoned Jane Austen's wit to his aid. When Mr. Darcy walks to the piano to hear Elizabeth Bennett play, she teases him, insisting that she will not be cowed by his presence. Facing death, Jack quoted Elizabeth's words. My courage always rises with every attempt to intimidate me, he said. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah, so fascinating people who led fascinating lives. Well, I did not know you were going to put me on the spot for the history of Williamsburg. So I pulled all that out of my I, ass. <laughs> I want to tell you, by the way, that was freaking amazing. Oh, thank you. Amazing. I forgot to mention, but now I'm beating myself up because I forgot to mention that the uh, restoration of the colonial era in the 1920s was through the Rockefellers. And I forgot that detail. Oh, it was, I, thought, I always thought that was interesting. That is very interesting. And honestly, I just took a history of education class where we talked about William and Mary for a really long time. And really? the colonial, yeah. And how they kind of used the colonial history as a hook to try to get funding again. Because mm-hmm. as you said, it really wasn't like a thing to be remembered or revered or noted until they realized that, that they could actually use it as a hook and be like, yeah. no, this is a really p- important institution. You need to fund it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of, there were a lot of things we talked about with regard to William and Mary. And but, it started off as a, they also had the first, one of the first, um, I think is a blemish, a native Americans. It was like an assimilation mm-hmm, school, mm-hmm. which I think is, and no, you know, they've been talking about how the entire college was built by slave labor. Oh yeah, no, it's not. It's not great. It was like a re-education thing, and you know, this is swept under the rug. And I didn't know this until I took my history of higher ed class. But the president of William and Mary at the time of the Civil War wrote like a noted piece on how, uh, basically, supporting the South and saying that black people were, you know, and it's horrible. Yeah, (laughs) that's not a surprise. It is Virginia, right? Right. But it has a better history, actually, than the University of Virginia. A lot of people like to talk about Mr. Jefferson's university and how it was built on these amazing ideals. But actually, the people who, the kids who were sent there were just the sons of the landed gentry in Virginia. Mm -hmm. So they came with their horses and their guns and their 
servants and we're just like rooting, tooting, shooting up the place and would challenge professors to duels and had this oh code. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, always dicks, basically. They were always dicks and they would take offense and challenge you to a duel. And there was a code, like an academic code. But what it says was basically like your duty was to your other students and you should never betray them by like ratting them out. Or oh my like, God. It's like the, except it's the complete opposite of their like big honor code yeah. now, right? Where yes. you have a duty to report cheating. Uh, but it's not, it's just not a surprise to me that a smaller public school would have more liberal progressive ideas mm-hmm. uh, relevant like in proportion to the time if you yeah. get what I'm saying. Well there's certainly Thomas Jefferson right but yeah. we won't get into that. And John Wyth the, um, the law school is partly named after John Wyth who was the first uh, head ju- chief justice of the Supreme Court. Oh wow there yep. you go. You're welcome. On that note, we'll segue into our plans. So what do you think Jasna will be like, Maggie? Well, just one thought before we get into that. I just want to point out how even before the invention of the internet, which really brought all kinds of people from fandoms together in just completely unprecedented ways, um, I think it's very telling that even before then, people found lifelong powerful friendships and relationships through love of a art um for sure fandoms were still out there yeah and i i don't know i love that story for a lot of reasons and one of them is it's just like a beautiful example of people kind of find just a shared passion you know they didn't meet at school they didn't meet through work they didn't bump they met because they all love jane austen and i just thought that was really beautiful Okay, so Jasna, what was your question? What do you think it'll be like? What do I think it'll be like? Well, I have been to a lot of conventions for fandoms, mostly like Comic-Con, Dragon-Con, awesome, you know, like pop culture, sci-fi fantasy type. So I just picture it like that, except for Jane Austen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did go to a Harry Potter convention right after the seventh book came out in Toronto. And so that did have kind of that more academic spin because everyone wanted to talk about it, at, you know, as a literary art form. So I think it'll be, there'll be lots of people wearing outfits wandering around. There will be an area where there's vendors, which will be awesome and crazy um, panels. I don't really know. Other than that, the size is what I'm not sure about because I've been to many different conventions of different sizes and the size is kind of what determines a lot of the feel. Do we know how many people are registered to attend? Um, I think it's in the low hundreds. Pa- uh, stand by while I search I that information. Um, so th- having a small convention like this means that you will bump into the same people all the time. So you'll kind of get to know people who are there, at least by sight. Uh, which makes it a lot more kind of intimate. So if you ask a question that, say, at a panel that spawns conversation, people will be coming up to you throughout the whole weekend. And I think it'll be kind of just like a very, uh, like, summer camp feel, because people will know each other from past meetings for sure. And so there will be a lot of reunions and a lot of um, people making new friends. I don't know. I think it's going to be really fun. I'm just really excited. Yeah, I am really excited too. And and I do think this is a small 
a smaller conference because there's a grand banquet, right? And the hotel right. has to cap that. So it has to be three, 300 people, 400 people max, I would think. Well, I will tell you that Google says 700 to 800 people attend. Oh, wow. Okay. And I will also tell you that the Williamsburg Lodge has conference space that can accommodate several thousand people. Because How I looked, are you the most? I am serious. The only reason I know this is when we were getting married, we considered Williamsburg. <laughs> and we always stayed at the Williamsburg Lodge, which is the hotel where the conference is, with my mom when we were kids and went to Williamsburg over the holidays. So I've always loved the lodge, and so I looked into it as a possible wedding venue, and they have rooms that can be opened up to hold, like, a thousand people. There um, you go. Yeah. So the it's most not... encyclopedic knowledge of Williamsburg. I know, who knew, Virginia? right? <laughs> uh, apparently, I am your Williamsburg, Virginia information kiosk. <laughs> You're like that. You're like the better business, the, the chamber of commerce, <laughs> a one, one woman chamber of commerce. Okay, no, see, this is what happens when you're a, a history major goes to <laughs> a university in a place that is supposed to, like, recreate living history, so. Well, you know what's um, ridiculous? You know what I'm doing that I never did when I was a student at William & Mary? I'm taking a tour that they're holding through Jasna of the special collections in the William and Mary Swem Library, which, uh, to be fair, when I went to William and Mary, I majored in chemistry and did not know I was going to become a librarian, and I had no interest in the archives of the special collections. But now that I'm returning, my triumphant return as a librarian, I finally get to go there and check it out. And also, to be fair, most of the time you were at William and Mary, that library was being completely remodeled and was gutted i'm sure they had special um collections off limits for several years while you were there but i I did not sign up for that just because a lot of these extra things cost extra money and but i'm very excited to hear your uh report on that is that kind of the thing you're looking the most forward to do you think I'm looking forward to it. I um I think I'm most looking forward to Devaney Lozer's talk um, during right. the breakout session. So the thing about uh, Jasna is that you get to pick an, a number of sessions that they're held contemporaneously. So you have to pick one to go to and you're like missing the other five or whatever, which was really hard when we were trying to choose. We were trying to choose, okay, my favorite topic out of these five or these six sessions is blah. And then so some, yeah. so Maggie and I are splitting up for some of them because we just couldn't decide. Well, why don't we why don't we go through and talk about for like the whole three days the special things that we're attending so people have an idea of how the conference is structured. Yeah. Okay. So, cool. So I think it actually starts on Wednesday afternoon, but we're yeah. not driving down until Thursday morning. Right. And what's the first thing we're doing there, Kristen? Leave it to on the Thursday afternoon. We are taking Henry Tilney's guide to tying a cravat. And we're doing that because Bay wanted us to. Yeah, so I basically jokingly said, Oh, Bay, look, they have a cravat tying class. And he got super serious and looked at me and said, You're taking it, right? <laughs> and I said, Well, I can. And he said, You better come back with a cravat. And I was like, okay, apparently I'm paying $35 and learning how to tie cravat. So on Thursday afternoon, the first thing that Kristen and I are signed up for is a cravat tying class. Absolutely. And I'm actually very excited about it because I love a good cravat. <laughs> and then is we have our English country dance class. 
that evening. Is that when we go to the trellis as well? No, it's Friday. Sorry, that was my mistake. Uh, we're There's a very famous restaurant in Colonial Williamsburg called The Trellis, which has a dessert called Death by Chocolate. So Kristen and I, of course, if you know my chocolate obsession, we will be having dinner there on Friday. But on Thursday night, yes, gentle listeners, we are taking an English country dance class. Yes, so that we can dance at the ball, which is on Saturday night, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, there is a ball. We'll get to that as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, right. But I am getting the dress made. I am getting a dress made so that I can look legit and Regency-ish. Um, and yeah, so we're but we're doing country dance. And then the next day is my historic campus and special collections tour. And then what are you we'll doing on first, Friday? Well, we have our first breakout session. Oh, that's right. Um, so Friday during the day, I'm not signed up for anything. Um, so I might just, I mean, we I was in Williamsburg for a long time. So I might just look up some people who would be around or wander around the vendors area. Yeah, for sure. And the Emporium. Yeah. Nothing with cheesy movie quotes, right, Kristen? Right. No cheesy movie quotes, especially the um, stupid, you have bewitched me, mind, body, and soul, and I love, love, love. Get that out of here. Or the Caroline Bingley reading. Oh, yeah. I posted on the (laughs) Facebook page. Like, I'm so tired of that stupid. Oh, my God. What if we make a poll on the podcast for, like, the worst (laughs) film TV quotes that are not. Or, like, just say, like, the quotes taken out of con. I don't know. I'll have to think of how to. I got to workshop this. Because some (laughs) of those quotes are Jane Austen quotes, but they're, like, misapplied. Yeah, very misapplied. Kind of thing. Right. Um. But Friday afternoon, we do have our first breakout sessions. Yes. And so for session A, I think we're both going to lovable heroine, complicated hero, implied meanings in the conversations of Northanger Abbey. That is correct. We will both be. Which sounds fascinating. And then for the second one, I'm going to The Words and Wisdom of Northanger Abbey by Daphne Lozer. And I am going to the Northanger Abbey and the history of the fictional female detective because I love Nancy Drew. I love Veronica Mars. I love Debbie, but I have to go see about my female detectives. <laughs> that should be awesome. I, really I do think that sounds really good. And then um, for session C, I'm going to Jane Austen, gothic novelist. Well, session C is on Saturday morning, um, oh, Friday night. After our fancy-schmancy dinner, we will be attending the Regency murder mystery. (laughs) That's right. There is also a musical version of Northanger Abbey, but we couldn't make that work with our schedule, so we're not seeing it. Yeah, so I've seen, have I seen a play? I feel like when I was in the Lake Country in England, I actually saw a play version of Northanger Abbey. So I felt like I'd kind of had that experience. Also, we have really good regional and local theater in D.C. I don't know about, I don't <laughs> want to disparage it. I'm sure it's great. Um, maybe they got people from the uh, theater majors from the college. Oh, maybe they did. Yeah, I bet they it. did. Yeah, I don't know. But so the big deal, the big kahuna is Saturday. That's right. And so Saturday, we're both attending in the morning. Jane Austen gothic novelist yes but before that we're having the brunch or breakfast where yeah there is a oh that's right that's we're gonna do our meetup yeah we're gonna do a meetup saturday morning breakfast we're gonna do a meetup and some folks are coming and i'm really excited to see them and talk to them and then we are going to jane austen gothic novelist and then 
we are going to, um, for the session D, I picked Henry and Catherine, Toxic Masculinity or a New Paradigm for Relationships. By that Christina is also Pan. what I picked. Okay, cool. Uh, because I do have a focus on, I kind of went with a focus on kind of gender studies, I guess mm-hmm, you could say, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm all about smashing the patriarchy. So I like the sessions that have that kind of related themes, which is for my next one, I, I think we're split for session E. Yes. So what are you going to see, Kristen? I'm seeing Northanger Abbey, The Bridge to Jane Austen's Mature Works by Collins Hemingway. And I'm seeing Pretty Fairly Divided Between the Sexes, Jane Austen on Gender by Jenny Ridding. Ooh, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, so we both have some really interesting themed breakout sessions, I think. Yeah, and I am really excited about everything. And then, but if I'm not mistaken, um, at some point there's a keynote speaker. There is a keynote. I think that might be... There's a... Plenary. There are two plenaries. The first plenary is Jocelyn Harris, and the second plenary is Janine Bartras. And the third is Roger Moore. Uh, but I don't know who any of these people James are. Bond himself? James Bond himself. So, <laughs> but we've never heard of these people. So Yeah. Oh, here, plenary speakers. Okay. So Jocelyn Harris will be talking about Magnificent Miss Moreland is the name of her lecture. And she plans to discuss Catherine Moreland's remarkable truthfulness and strength as qualifications for her heroine status. And then Janine Barshas is, uh, will be talking about the lost copies of Northanger Abbey, neglected 19th century reprintings and the people who owned them. And then Roger Moore is, say, <laughs> is talking about Northanger before the Tilneys, Austin's Abbey and the religious past. And he will investigate whether Austen took a different and more positive view of England's dissolved religious houses than many of her contemporaries, which actually sounds very fascinating. So I am excited about those. We're going to be very busy. So Kristen, what are you? Oh, and then on course Saturday night, there's a big banquet. There's a ball. It's kind of like the big crowning moment. Of yes. now, I did not have a Regency dress made. Um, I got something from Rent the Runway, which is frankly more like Art Deco 1920s. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a good look for me. I prefer to stand out from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, and they say, even even Deborah Yaffe says in her book, there are plenty of people in modern cocktail attire. We got an email that was like, the ball is anything you want to do. And, you know, one woman in Yaffe's book wears a green T-shirt that says Mrs. Darcy on it. So <laughs> um, I'm really interested to see what the swag is, because in Yaffe's yeah. book, she says she got like weird branded stuff like a 7-Eleven mug and like some a chapstick, <laughs> you know, like and Victoria's Secret was a sponsor. So she got a thong with a sexy note with a phone number that went to a recorded voice message. And it sounded a little bit. It's, I mean, that's actually usually, you know, they always give you a little swag bag at conventions, but usually it's just like a hand sanitizer sample, <laughs> coupons for places you don't ever yeah. go. So th- those are actually very substantial freebies. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested. Uh, is it a one size fits all thong? Yeah, it was like, a one size fits all thong. It does say that in the book. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm going to wear wear your Regency gown and wear a thong underneath it, oh, Kristen. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's legit. Um, I'm this sure there like, are many. 
Many of Austin's protagonists were were wearing a thong during the... You just decided to take the most uncomfortable undergarments throughout all history and combine (laughs) them in one outfit. So, yes, I have my corset. Yes, I have my butt floss. I have created the most uncomfortable outfit of all time. Although I, I ordered stays from an Etsy shop online, and if they come in time for the, uh, you know, for the conference, I hear stays are actually very comfortable. Oh. Um, like a short corset, so it doesn't go all the way down. It just, it's almost like a bra, but it's got boning in it, and it's it's meant to give you that recency sort of shelf look, that right. very pushed up, sort of squished up look. Um, but I've heard they're actually fairly comfortable, but... So yeah, so one of the things I want to buy at the Emporium, because I certainly have no plans to acquire this beforehand, is some kind of hair band or hair piece, like like a headband with a feather in it or something. Yes, we should both get some kind of headwear, fa- yeah. fabulous headwear. I do have the floral crown I wore at my wedding. <laughs> that could work in a pinch. Yeah, that could work. It's like a headbandy, not like huge. And it was uh, silk flowers. It wasn't real flowers. But I think feathers are definitely called for. Oh, yeah. Feathers are definitely called for it. And and it'll be just like Northanger Abbey, you know, when it's crowded and they can only yeah. see the high feathers of some of the ladies in the in the assembly room. Yeah. And um, I laughed at I absolutely will draw the line at the crap with the movie quotes on it. And I loved in the book where Yaffe is like in the Emporium and she's just like the sheer bad taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I, I'm like, I'm like that too. I'm one of those people. I, yeah, I know, but I understand it's a big tent. I also want, if the same vendor is here, is there as is mentioned in the book, I want the tea. There's a, a, a woman who sells right, tea right. and she's made different blends for the distant, different Austin characters. Mm-hmm. I really love tea and I really want that tea. I hope I can find some cool socks because (laughs) socks are kind of my go-to souvenir because they're, I don't have room in my home. I'm in a one bedroom condo. I don't have room for like tchotchkes for stuff that sits on your shelf. So socks are a really great way to get something to remind you of a place that's has function. It's functional. I can use it. Um, So I'm hoping I find some good Jane Austen socks. I'm sure you will. I'm sure that I will too. Maybe some jewelry. I don't know. Yeah, jewelry for sure. Um, I have some holes in my Jane Austen book collection. Yes, I was going to say. So we, we will browse for some missing titles that, and um, I think that there is a book of daily quotes from Jane Austen, Jane Austen that was that is coming out from Devney. Uh, but it will not be, you can only pre-order it, I think, by the time the conference rolls around. So, but I would be interested in buying that if that were there. Well, that's a shame. I need a copy of Persuasion. I would like a nice oh, shelf, a nice copy. lovely copy of Persuasion. Yeah, that's true. I I, um, I don't know that I have a nice copy. I just have this penguin one that is falling apart. For too many times of reading these books in the bathtub, I mean, even if you don't drop them, <laughs> these, you know what I mean? <laughs> So for a while, I had a basket of bathtub books and I had Emma, the penguin like classic copy. It split into three parts. Um, So I just had the various parts scattered throughout the basket. So I would pull (laughs) one out, but I would start reading in the middle of like whatever piece or I didn't No, I don't want the middle piece. I want the last piece, you know, or whatever, like trying to like negotiate with my basket of books for what I wanted. I've tried reading. I'm not a big bath person i've tried reading in the bath before but the water just gets 
tepid and I just don't enjoy I I like efficiency. I want to get in and get out. <laughs> and then you get all pruney. Fair. Yeah, just good for you though. Do you have one of those kind of like shelf things that can like hang on the so you have some place to put your book while you're reading it you don't have to just hold it in your hand no I just have to hold it and it gets very uncomfortable and then you like twist so that you're like up on the side reading you know like you put a <laughs> towel down so the porcelain doesn't hurt your elbows and no it's 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 not ideal but I just get so cold I don't know like I get so cold when I'm sitting around at home and not doing anything and like my fingers and toes get so cold and so I got to get in a bath and my toes are all blue and purple because they're oh so my cold God. And then you put the hot water on and it, it like hurts them. So you have to get your toes out while the hot water is running until you act like there's a whole, this is a whole thing. It's like I have a no whole idea. It's like a complex. Yes. Um, I have very poor, circ- like most women, <laughs> I have poor circulation in my extremities as well. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I don't you know take, that pain of your bath. toes are cold and you plunge <laughs> them into a hot bath. Well, but you need some Emma to like, you know, <gasps> with that Kristen, special kind what? of pain. What if you can find some Jane Austen bath bombs? Oh, my God. Because <laughs> bath bombs is like a thing now. No, I've never done one either. Can you believe so it? I bet you can find some Jane Austen bath bombs. That would be rad. Yeah. Okay, let's look for that. Jane Austen okay. bath bombs. Put them on Now the I'm list. just thinking, like, what's other bath paraphernalia? I want a themed bath bomb, too. Like, I want the Marianne bath bomb, and I want yeah. the bath bomb, and I want them to Mar- smell okay. different. Marianne bath bomb. A reason why, like okay. a justification of why. Well, I'm gonna tell you if you'll stop talking. Okay, the Marianne bath bomb smells like Bath and Body Works sweet pea scent, circa 1994. <laughs> Boom! Because that is the most teenage girl scent I've ever experienced in my whole life. <laughs> or counterpoint, freesia. <laughs> I'm going to create a poll, and the poll will be for all the listeners, which is the most appropriate scent for the Marianne bath bomb? Is it sweet pea or is it freesia? (laughs) Is that one of those ones that's going to be, like, stuffed full of glitter and, like, terrible? Oh, yes. Oh, totally. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, so sweet. And, oh, yeah, it's just, like, teenage girl angst in a scent. I mean, maybe that's just my high school experience. I, don't, <laughs> I, 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 buy, I buy into that. Um, my high school boyfriend bought me like a thing of cucumber melon scented yeah, lotion. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> it's like my least favorite scent, but I like, what could I do? Right. So it, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, who's the cucumber melon? Lucy Pen- Seal. Well, Henry <laughs> Tilney's will smell like, it's like the white linen for like muslin. Yeah. Oh and yeah. Ooh. Now I just want to match Austin characters with bath and body work scents. I don't know if that's normal. Catherine Moreland would be like strawberry, right? They're like the most innocent, like country young- apple. Country apple. <laughs> <laughs> How about Il- Isabella Thorpe? I, what's a slutty scent? <laughs> Does her smell like some Abercrombie and Fitch perfume from that era? No, she actually wears, um, (laughs) she smells like the Bath and Body Works male men collection. (laughs) She's totally the type who would like wear men's cologne (laughs) and want to be with women who smell like them. Sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just making this up. I think this is a fun exercise, though. Yeah. Anyway, we should definitely look for Jane Austen bath bombs because I think that's a genius idea. I keep coming up with all these great marketing ideas for Jane Austen shit on this yeah, podcast. If you can teach yourself how to make a bath bomb in a month, we can um, be making some money. Well, just like Jasna did, I got to find a friend who's an accountant. Oh, I right. to do it. <laughs> exactly. For my society. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most looking forward to? I don't know. I'm kind of just looking forward to the overall experience, if that doesn't mean stupid. Just, like, geeking out with fellow people. And one of the reasons... Oh, God, this is... This is a... I shouldn't admit this. One of the things I love about having such nerdy interests is that I can feel like I'm, like, the coolest one (laughs) of all the nerds. (laughs) (laughs) Because you've significantly narrowed the pool of competition. Like, for example, if I go to a Beyonce concert, I am without a doubt one of the lamest people at the Beyonce concert. But if I go to a Star Trek convention, I'm probably one of the cooler people there. So... I'm hoping at the Jane Austen convention, I'll be like, yeah, (laughs) I'm awesome. (laughs) Is that, does that make me a horrible person? No, I, I mean, I don't know. I think everybody has a different definition of cool. I mean, I, um, we're no like, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see the rock star Baronda Bradley in her, in her beautiful, um, one of the most well turned out dressed yeah I guess cosplayers like let's just call it what it is she's like Jane Regency cosplaying and she's yes, just she's like famous in, for it she's in the book and she has all these beautiful gowns and she starts wearing them before she even gets on the plane um and she has bonnets and you know people apparently wear bonnets throughout the day and maybe I'll buy a bonnet except for I heard you have to take it off if somebody is sitting behind you <laughs> they, yeah. they can't see uh, but it is good to protect yourself from the sun which I need because the sun oh. is my eternal enemy as someone who is they, very pale they have a purpose uh, Kristen are you going to participate in the costume parade yes if I if I buy the dress you know which I am I'm spending money to have this dress made I might as well parade I will I will cheer and take video and uh, I was going to buy uh, opera gloves, but I got the okay from my friend who is a historical costume expert to have my Regency gown not have the puffed sleeves, you know, those little puffs. Right, Instead, I'm going to have the three-quarter length nice. um, down below Love your it. elbow so That's I don't have the puff. So, Because I feel like that would make me feel like a linebacker. But, you know, if I – and she said it's totally appropriate. Because um, I was like, I've only seen the long sleeves dur- on the day dresses. But she was like, no, they're wearing ball gowns too, and you can totally do that. So It's also going to be – I mean, I don't know about the ball if there's like 700 people in one room. But it will be very cold in the oh, hotel. I'm sure right, of it. Right. It's gonna be, and it's also October. Like, it will probably be chilly. And they'll have air conditioning still going full blast. I feel like the need, I'm not, my experience I'm looking most forward to is not feeling like I'm better than everyone else. I feel the need to say that. I'm just looking (laughs) forward to being around all the fans because I just think it's fun. I get a lot of energy um, as an extrovert from gatherings like that. And how would you ever know? Um, But uh, I'm so I'm just looking forward to being around a lot of kind of like-minded fans. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. And maybe not like-minded, maybe people who have a completely different interpretation than me, but learning about what their ideas are 
and stuff like that. I think that's cool. Or even just movie quote offs. Well, you'll always pwn me in that for sure. <laughs> I'm looking forward to buying a tote bag with a really great movie quote. <laughs> to make me ang- just a bag that would make me rage. Kristen, look, I'll give this is your Christmas present. <laughs> that every time I think of it, I'll just clench my fists in rage. Yeah. Um, I am making it my last um, trip to the East Coast in a while. And yeah. so. I'm just really, really excited for it. And so it's going to be so fun, Kristen. So we are planning to record stuff from down there, I assume. Yes. Yes. So what we will probably do is um, we'll take your mic. I I don't think I'll pack the blue Yeti across. Yeah, we can take mine. And um, like you said, like we can just retire back to our into a quiet space or back to our room or whatever and do like a quick debrief so that then we can sort of stitch everything together and then we'll do final impressions on the day before I fly out and that'll be the pod the next show our November video in the bag we can do video or Facebook live oh my god we totally can but yeah yeah, we can we can we can post to the Facebook page we'll do some live videos for you all so you can see the Jasna experience is like live. We'll definitely record some videos um, of the two of us and throw them up there while they're down there because I really want to make sure listeners can feel like they know what I have no idea what to expect at Jasna. Yeah. So I really want to make sure we can kind of share what it's like to attend the meeting with everyone. For sure. Okay. Homework assignment. You get to figure out how to use Facebook Live. I know how to do it, Kristen. You just hit the button that says go live, for heaven's sake. I'm still trying to figure out Instagram, but Facebook Live, I can definitely handle. I've Facebook Lived um, from protests in D.C. before. Oh, wow. So I've done it before. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, we can bring you cutting, like, cutting-edge news of Jasna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do we have anything else to cover? Hopefully we pumped everyone up for the yeah. big convention. I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up. It's still four <laughs> weeks away, though. <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm in school. Like, I'm in class. I'm teaching a class. I'm going to have, like, students asking me questions. I'm going to have to go in the corner and, like, email them. Like, we'll see. But Oh, you're saying while you're down there. I was picturing you in class, like, daydreaming. Like, a <laughs> sequence where you start daydreaming about Jasna and what it's going to be like. Yeah. But no, you're talking about while you're there. Right, right. Well, that's okay. You can do whatever you need. To, you know what? As someone who is, I, it's just kind of the way it is now. People, when they're in panels, have are on their phones the whole time. So if you need to email someone, I'm sure it's not going to be a big deal. It's not going to be like Austin Land where I'm going to get busted for having my 21st century mm-hmm. technology. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and if they want to bust you for something, they'll have to go through me. And I'm not wearing a corset, so bring it on, bitch. <laughs> I'm gonna. I can punch someone in the boning and really mess them. <laughs> well, thank you. Good to know. Good to know. I got you. <laughs> Thanks, babe. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> on that violent note, <laughs> right? Why don't you do the honors? We have delighted you long enough.